Calling all high rollers. So much is at stake in this sizzling oasis known as Sin City. Whether you want to sink into slots, roll the dice, be dazzled by the spectacular shows and awesome attractions, or just blow off some steam, there's no place like it. Jackpot! We're going to cruise the strip and see the lavish lights of Las Vegas on today's FYI. Viva Las Vegas! Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI for your English. It's a topic-based English show where every week we look at a different topic and we learn English around this topic. And as always, since this show is created for you guys, I always am open to your suggestions. So if you have any ideas for future episodes, reach out. Remember, Remember, you can contact me on social media or you can just go over to my website, albertoalonso.com, and you'll find links to everything. I hope you're enjoying all the different episodes and you find a lot of variety in my choices, in mis elecciones. Because as we say in English, variety is the spice of life. And we say, I think in Spanish, la variedad, en la variedad está la vida, or something like that. But I think you get the gist of it. Pias el hilo. Variety is the spice of life. Which is exactly why we have to switch it up from week to week. And to switch it up is hacer un cambio. Now let's take a look at our intro, because as always, I'm always sprinkling the intro with tons of vocabulary, and also, you know me with my alliteration. I'm obsessed. I started off by saying, calling all high rollers. And a high roller is somebody who gambles with a lot of money. And that's a very important word you need to know in today's episode. Gamble, to gamble. And gambling, which is always associated with Las Vegas. So a high roller is somebody who gambles with a lot of money. Then I said, so much is at stake. And this is a really good expression to know. At stake, en juego. Tanto está en juego. In this sizzling oasis. And sizzling means hot. It can mean hot in two different ways. Sizzling because it's in the middle of a desert and the temperature is hot. And sizzling because of the clubs and the restaurants and the nightlife. And I think in the case of Las Vegas, we can apply both of those meanings. Sizzling because it's, well, <laughs> you don't want to go there in long sleeve shirts and, and sweats, and many people wear shorts. Although, I don't think the temperature is important anymore. In the early days, when they didn't have air conditioning, that was a huge selling point. But now, every casino is air conditioned. Imagine if they weren't. So it might be sizzling out there in the desert, but uh, in the casino, it's nice and comfortable. There's always a, a nice temperature and they're even pumping oxygen into the room just to make sure you stay awake and you keep gambling. I called it an oasis and this is a word that is often used when we describe Las Vegas or anything in the desert. 
an oasis. I know in Spanish you say oasis, so just be careful with the pronunciation. It's also the name of a very famous group. A today is gonna be the day that we're gonna throw it back to you. I'm probably going to make some enemies over here, but I am not a huge Oasis fan. Then I said it's also known as, a.k.a. Sin City, La Ciudad del Pecado. And you know what? I've been there, and I think it's an appropriate name. And in the bonus part of today's show, I'll tell you a little bit about, about my experiences out in Las Vegas. It blew me away, and I still remember that amazing trip. And I don't want to think about it, but that was probably over two decades ago. But it's still fresh in my mind. Then I used some gambling vocabulary, some vocabulary about the casino floor. I said whether you want to sink into slots. Now, let's look at the word slots first. To sl a slot is una ranura. So, to sink into it, meterte en una ranura? No. In this case, I'm referring to slot machines. So a slot machine is what you call in Spanish tragaperras. And to sink into something is to be absorbed by it. Hundirse o absorberse en algo. And if you've ever seen people play slots, they really sink into it. Then I said, roll the dice. And of course, if you play craps or, well, here you're going to see, guys, that I'm not much of a gambler. I know the basic ones. I know poker, roulette, and things like that. But there are some games where you have to roll dice. And it's interesting, that word dice is dados. El singular is die, que es la misma palabra que morir. And like you guys do in Spanish, when you talk about la, la suerte está echada o vamos a, a, a probar la suerte, we have to roll the dice, to roll the dice. And there was a famous, uh, famous expression that was coined by Caesar, and he said, the die is cast. O sea, el dado ya se ha echado, la suerte está echada. Great expressions that we can learn from gambling, and we'll look at more of those in the bonus part. Heart as well. Then I went on to say something about being dazzled by the spectacular shows. There's that alliteration. To be dazzled. We looked at that in the last episode when we talked about Walt Disney. Deslumbrar. To be dazzled by the spectacular shows and the awesome attractions. And it's true, as we'll see later in the episode, Vegas has some of the top entertainment in the world. It has some of the most amazing attractions that you'll ever see anywhere. And then I used the expression to blow off some steam. And to blow off some steam means to relax, to unwind, to de-stress. And there's no place like it. No hay sitio como Las Vegas to blow off some steam, to unwind, or to relax. Whether you like playing blackjack, swimming at the pool, or dancing all night at their hot clubs... <laughs> There's something for everybody in Las Vegas, as we'll see today. Then the next word I said is a word that I hope you'll get to use. Uh, this is one of those words that if you say it, <laughs> well, you've got some really good luck. And jackpot is el gordo, the big prize, el bote. So the expression is, I hit the jackpot. 
Me tocó el gordo, the top gambling prize. But we also use it figuratively as well. So, hey man, with that new job, you really hit the jackpot. No, te tocó la lotería. Excellent expression to know and use. And then I ended it off saying, we're going to cruise the strip. And I know many of you are familiar with the word cruise. A cruise es un crucero. And you're thinking, but wait, cruise in, in Las Vegas? In the middle of the Mojave Desert? Yeah, well, cruise also means pasear. And what do you do when you go on a cruise? Well, you cruise around the ocean. Well, here, you cruise around the strip. And this is a really good word to know. The word strip is tira o franja. So when we talk about the main drag in Las Vegas, we talk about Main Street over there. It's not called Main Street, but what we, what we would consider the main street of Las Vegas, we call it the Strip. And aside from gambling and all those other activities that I just mentioned, one activity is cruising the Strip, and that's seeing people and being seen. And believe me, people get all dressed up. It feels like Halloween every day in Las Vegas. And if you're a fan of luxury cars, get ready. Because I remember seeing Maseratis and, and cars I couldn't even pronounce the name And then I ended it by saying we'll see the lavish lights of Las Vegas. And that's another thing that Vegas is known for. It's neon. There's neon everywhere. And not just neon. There are flashing lights and all kinds of digital screens everywhere. So it's a very colorful city. And the word lavish is luxurious, extravagant. And I think there are no better words to describe Las Vegas. So are you ready? Three. Two, one, zero. Let's cruise the strip. But I think before we come to modern day Las Vegas, we need to see how it all started. So let's rewind. We're back in 1829, and this is when Las Vegas was named. That's right. It wasn't a town yet, but it was named. Someone gave it a name. And that someone was a Spanish explorer. His name, Antonio Armijo. And they were searching for water en route to Los Angeles. And, well, they went along this place where they found springs, manatiales, in the middle of the desert. And so they decided to call the area Las Vegas. Now, you're you're saying, Alberto, you just said it's Las Vegas. Sí, pero lo pronunciado a la española aposta. Because if you're familiar with this word, I know it's not used very commonly now, but it's a prairie. Es una pradera. Una vega en español es una pradera. So there were prairies. So they said, okay, well, let's call it Las Vegas. I had no idea. Prairie or meadow es pradera o lo que no sabía. También se dice en español vega. And what was that bit about water? What do you mean, water in the middle of the desert? Springs? Manatiales? How is that possible? Well, that's one thing that made Las Vegas so attractive from the get-go. Desde el primer momento. And it was the fact that there was tons of underground water in this city. Another thing that made it attractive was the mining Minería. And the Mormons were famous for finding the spot and settling there. About, uh, I believe it was about 200 Mormons were living there for a while. And what they were trying to do was mine lead. Uh, lead is 
plomo, lead, aunque eh, lead es liderar, que se escribe igual, guiar o liderar, lead and lead. Cuidado con esas dos palabras, porque aunque se escriban igual, se pronuncian diferente. En este caso, lead, plomo. But there was just one problem. Well, two problems. They couldn't get along, no se llevaban bien, and the lead that they were mining wasn't the good kind, wasn't the kind that the mining companies were looking for. So what did the Mormons do? They up and left, and they abandoned this area called Las Vegas by the Spanish. And our story naturally doesn't end there, because if it ended there, well, that would be the end of it. But no, the Mormons left, but other people would soon come. And when I say people, it was a huge enterprise. That's right, a huge enterprise. I'm talking about the railroad. That's right, folks, the railroads. Las Vegas was founded as a city. This was on May 15th in 1905, and this was thanks to the Union Pacific Railroad who decided to build a train station there, and they started to auction off the land. And to auction off is poner a subasta. So think about that. The history of Las Vegas started with an auction. That's pretty crazy. And thanks to those trains and that expansion out west, Las Vegas got a second chance. Now, it wasn't till about six years later, March 16th, 1911, when Las Vegas officially became a city. That was 1911. So 1905 is when the railroad set up shop, montar el chiringuito, and that brought a lot of people. And as you'll see throughout this episode, Las Vegas is a story of boom and bust. Boom and bust. However, their booms are always much higher than their busts are low. And what do I mean by that? I mean that no matter how low, no matter how desperate the situation has gotten in Las Vegas, they have always bounced back. I think we could go as far as calling it a resilient town, a town that, as you'll see, is always reinventing itself. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, town? But isn't it a city? Yeah, but when we want to talk about a city in a loving kind of way, we call it a town. Un ejemplo, New York is my kind of town. Now, obviously, New York is not a town. It's a major city. It's a metropolis. But we lovingly call it a town. Now, perhaps the biggest thing that happened to bring people out to Las Vegas was the construction of the Hoover Dam, or as it was called before, the Boulder Dam. And this was uh, near Las Vegas. Now, you're thinking, well, why did the guys, the workers, go to Las Vegas? Well, the government set up these towns for them, these towns. In fact, one of them was called Boulder City. There was just one problem. These towns were very limiting. They were just kind of sleeper cities. They were little mini cities or tents that they set up for the workers. And you couldn't drink. You couldn't smoke. There was, I mean, it was very, very strict. They even had a curfew. Toque de queda. Una hora que tenían que estar en casa. And sure, these workers, after working on this dam, esta presa, for so long, and, and you know, they, well, they wanted to, to blow off some steam, as I said before. They wanted to blow some money. Gastar un poco de dinero. And they couldn't do that in these little working towns. So what did they do? 
they went over to Las Vegas. And when they went over there, they realized they could spend their money, they could drink, they could have some fun, and they could even gamble. But gambling wasn't legal until 1931. And of course, that was another huge boom. 1931 was a huge year because, as I said, it was booming because of the workers. There were 42,000 unemployed workers that showed up in Las Vegas and they wanted to land a job or to get a job. I think they said there were around 5,000 jobs. But remember, then their families, then, you know, it's a whole economy that comes from that. So 1931, because the dam was in construct, was under construction, I should say. Also, that was the year that gambling was made legal. And there was another thing too that drew people to Las Vegas. And it was a law about divorces. Basically, you could get a speedy divorce, un divorcio, uh, with no hassle, sin problemas, no hassle in under six weeks. So that combination of all those things started bringing people out to Las Vegas. The divorce law, the legalization of gambling, and this project, the Boulder Dam, which is now called the Hoover Dam, which is directly connected with Las Vegas. In fact, they get their water from Lake Mead, which was created by that dam. So they kind of live off each other. Uno vive del otro. And it wasn't just the workers. Now, just remember, this dam is a modern marvel, una maravilla moderna. So people were, were flocking there, to eat in masa, to flock from all over the United States to check out this engineering marvel. So while they were at it, they could stop at this new boom town called Las Vegas and get some entertainment and gamble and sing and dance and do those things that weren't allowed in many other places, things that were frowned upon, mal vistos. And that's why you had a lot of people from Los Angeles, a lot of Californians who were saying, California's too strict. We're going out there to the desert where, as you guys know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And that seems like it's been its motto, Swiss slogan, from day one. Now, 1931, when gambling was made legal, there was just one problem. Who were the only people who had experience in that realm, in ese mundo del juego? Of course, gangsters, mobsters, mafiosos. Those were the ones who knew what was going on. They were the ones who knew how to run these rackets. And a racket is an illegal business. And we'll see that later as well, how the mob had a huge influence on Las Vegas. Whether we like that or not, it is part of Las Vegas's history. Now, after the building of this dam, the, the Hoover Dam, the Boulder Dam, Las Vegas slowed down again. The growth slowed. Growth es crecimiento. But as I said, as it did many other times, it bounced back. And that was due to World War II. World War II, or the Second World War, broke out. Se estalló. So you're thinking, yeah, but what did that have to do with the United States? It didn't happen in Nevada no, but where do you think we were making those weapons? Where do you think we were training our soldiers? In a remote place in the middle of the desert, Nevada. So during World War II, you had Nellis Air Force Base. It wasn't called that then, but 
It's a very famous Air Force base called Nellis. It was a gunnery school to teach people how to shoot guns. They also had to make a magnesium plant, which, well, helped uh, the war effort. So all of those things brought tons of workers and their families to this area. And again, when people are making money and they're working, well, they need a place to spend that money. So during the Second World War, Las Vegas saw another boom. And that was around the time when the mafia stepped in. The 50s and 60s, the mafia was running the show. Most casinos on the Las Vegas Strip or in Las Vegas were mafia run, or they were at least giving kickbacks to the mafia. A kickback is an illegal payment, un pago ilegal. So they were getting kickbacks. As you'll see in the movie Casino, they were skimming off the top. Now to skim is como quitar la parte de arriba. Es robar. Otra forma de decir robar, but it's the robar cuando hablamos de quitar una porción de arriba. And this is exactly what they were doing. This was move this was uh, money that was not taxed. So everybody wanted a piece of Las Vegas. Every gangster in the United States, from Bugsy Siegel to all the gangsters out east in New York. Everybody wanted a piece of it. There was millions of dollars to be made. There was money everywhere. They say, and this is not just my opinion, this has been in books, that really Las Vegas was built, built, construido, no built, built by the Teamsters money. And the Teamsters was a union, it still is a union, un sindicato de eh, conductores, drivers, a truck drivers union, the Teamsters. And Jimmy Hoffa was the head of the Teamsters. So supposedly the pension funds, los fondos de pensión, eh, well, those were used to build this city illegally. Again, there are whole books written on this, uh, the mob influence in Las Vegas. We'll look about we'll We'll look at it a little bit later too because I'm going to tell you a little bit about the movie Casino and I'm going to tell you how my grandfather was almost in that movie. He got a callback. So an audition is el primer casting. A callback is when they call you to come in again and read and that means they really like you. And he had a callback with two of my idols, dos de mis ídolos. And I'll tell you all about that in the second part of the show. We're also going to look at the underbelly of Las Vegas, the dark side of Las Vegas. We'll look at some fun facts as well. And as always, I'll give you my firsthand personal experience of traveling out there and meeting Michael Jordan. What? Alberto, did you just say meeting Michael Jordan? Yeah, well, I didn't even tell you about meeting Bob Dylan yet. Oh, wait. Uh-oh, am I letting the cat out of the bag? ¿Estoy dejando escapar el secreto? All right, well, I'm not going to say any more. If you want to hear more about that, you can join us in the bonus part of today's show. Remember, the bonus part is exclusively for patrons, and I want to say thank you to all my patrons who support this show, support the work I do, and have fun learning English with me. If you want access to bonus content... PDFs with all the vocabulary and expressions and even review classes with me. Find out more at patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. And I think this is a good time to send a shout out to all my patrons. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for making this possible. And a special shout out to my super duper students, Roberto, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, Patricio, Edgar, 
and Loles. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Carmen, Diego, Pilar, and Diana. You guys are the best. Keep up the good work. And guys, remember, if you want some more information, drop me a line. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. Now, we couldn't talk about Las Vegas without talking about eccentric billionaire Howard Hughes. And Howard Hughes moved out to Las Vegas and he took up the top two floors. Now, to take up is ocupar. He took up the top two floors of the famous Desert Inn, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. And for four years... He remained in his room. He stayed in his room and he negotiated all his business deals and all those things from his room. It sounds like he was under quarantine, but it was self-quarantine. And as many people know, he was a germaphobe. That means he had a phobia of germs. This is Howard Hughes. Uh, You can also find a movie about him as well. And they got really upset with him. You know, the the people at the Desert Inn, uh, they were pissed off. They're like, guy, you're taking up our two floors over here. Uh, you never leave the room, so the place is a disaster. And you don't gamble. And that's the thing. He didn't go there to gamble. He went there to be, I guess, anonymous in that city. This tycoon. Tycoon is otra forma de decir magnate. So he stayed there for so long that finally management said, dude, you got to leave. Te tienes que ir. I'm sorry. And he refused. So you know what he did? He bought the place. (laughs) He bought it. That's right. Uh, Lo compró. And he bought another, I can't remember if it's six or seven casinos. And why was he instrumental? Well, he was instrumental because he felt like uh, there had to be a change in Las Vegas. He felt that the mafia had infiltrated Las Vegas enough and that it was time to make it a family place. Time to to look at wholesome entertainment. Wholesome es para toda la familia. So Howard Hughes, a weird guy, but uh, he did a lot for Las Vegas. I I guess Las Vegans can be very happy because of uh, his vision of for Las Vegas, right? And careful with that word. I I didn't say Las Vegans, right? It's Las Vegans, Las Vegans. Because if I say the word vegan, I'm saying vegano, even though they're spelt the same. So just be careful. That's a little matiz, a little nuance. But even billionaire Howard Hughes couldn't turn things around in Las Vegas. And in the 80s, the late 70s, the early 80s, Las Vegas was going through a tough time again. And it was for many, many reasons. As you know, uh, life is cycles. People are interested in a place, then they're not so much. People are interested in gambling. Maybe it's not such a popular thing uh, the next decade. And there was another reason, too. There are always many factors. But another reason was in New Jersey, they made a place called Atlantic City. And this took a lot of business away from Las Vegas because people who lived on the East Coast now could gamble without, you know, flying halfway across across the country. And I remember, I remember watching documentaries about Las Vegas in the 80s. It, it was becoming a seedy place. And even now, you know, if you go off the main drag, 
you know, the, the strip, as we said, and just a couple blocks away, you have gangs and you have some violent crime and obviously a lot of drugs. And we'll talk about that in the bonus part. Another guy who tried to clean up Las Vegas was a guy named Steve Wynn. And, well, it seemed like he was pretty successful. He basically said, you know, we got to get the mob out of here. We got to get the dirty, ugly side and make it more like a Disney place, a place where everybody can go. And he invested a lot of money, a lot of time, and he built the Mirage. And the Mirage was the first new resort on the Strip in 16 years. So as you can see, 16 years where no major construction had been done. It seemed like Las Vegas was done, but that wasn't the case. They were just waiting for Steve Wynn to come in there and change the image of this city. And he did. So there's another person. You can't have Las Vegas without Howard Hughes, without Steve Wynn, and without the Mafia. That's right. But I also think that's what makes it such an interesting place. You know, so many people have come and gone, and it's a place that's really open to everyone. Well, right now we have to get going. We've reached the end of the first part of today's show. Remember, if you want access to the bonus part, you can find out about becoming a patron, or if you just want a sample, just let me know and I'll send you the bonus audio. In this bonus part today, we're going to look at some of the most famous hotels and why. We're going to talk about how Las Vegas is an explosive city, or at least it was in the 50s. We'll talk about weddings, conventions, Las Vegas and popular culture, tragedy, and we'll also talk about the oldest slot machine in the world. Oh, and don't forget some of the most common gambling idioms that we use in the English language. All that in much more in the bonus part of today's FYI. <laughs> 